0: We use Tailwind Nutrition because it works. Because it tastes good. And it is savory. And That's probably a- the best thing about Tailwind Nutrition.
1: I like it because it combines the electrolytes with the energy that I need. It kind of does it all the thinking for
0: you. When, you know, when you're when you four or five hours into an Ultra, you just cannot stand any more sweet. That's when it's time to put on a little naked, Scott. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, one thing that you can do with naked is you can actually mix it with a flavor,
1: even tone down that flavor a little bit more. You know, that's a good strategy, especially when you, you stretch something out. If it's a bit strong for you, make your own consistency. Yeah. And speaking of consistency, that may be one of the things that, that uh, Tailwind does best is it mixes well. You know, whether you're using hydration packs and you don't want to get your hose plugged up at the very bottom when that stuff settles and you've got a, something in there, you try to get jammed. It doesn't do that. This stuff mixes so easy. Go to tailwindnutrition.com, check out all the flavors. There's uh four or five right now, I think. So many so many race directors are are now discovering. Yeah. and you can actually find it on aid station tables as you cruise through. What are you pouring today? And the answer is Tailwind Nutrition because we want our runners to succeed. You know, and 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 just for a second, Scott, yeah. they 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 have compared some results. And they have what do you give me that look for? It's got things. Are you making this up? No. Okay, talk no, to no. me. I've read some social media stuff. Uh huh. They've had better end results, fewer drops, and better times as they change their product from whatever sweetness to the tailwind nutrition. Really? Yeah. That's great. Well, my How sor- come we're not talking about that? I just did. Oh, okay. Get some tailwind nutrition and, and improve your results. Go to Tailwind... That's when you say. Go to, go to
0: TailwindNutrition.com. Ultra Running Magazine. It's the it's the authority of ultra running. Everything that you need to know about ultra running is in that magazine.
1: Well, you know, every sport has their essential guide. You know, a handbook, if
0: you will. You know, the, the most recent um, magazine cover has uh, Dylan Bowman and Jorge Marvala. I think that's how. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. They're they're uh, running over at the uh, Tawera 100K in Mill Valley, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a pretty good issue. There's lots of jam packed stuff. One of my favorite things that has happened in the probably the last year or so is the Ask Ann column. Mm-hmm. It's Ann Trason, the legendary Ann Trason, asking or answering questions from ultra runners, and that that's that's just a really
1: cool cool um, thing that they have in there. For instance, that very article you're talking about by Ann, she discusses what is the best weight for you as an ultra runner. And we've heard, you know, you don't have to be super thin, you don't want to be too heavy, but you want to carry a little something. She goes into that stuff and breaks it down for you.
0: Yeah, she's really good. Also, there's an article in there by Ellie Greenwood where she talks about ultra life balance, Um, trying to keep your balance in your life while you're training and racing ultras.
1: Like we said, it's the handbook, it's the guidebook for uh, ultra running.
0: You can get a discount if you go to our partners
1: page at trailrunnernation.com and click on the link for Ultra Running Magazine. $29.99 gets you 10 issues for a year. And Scott, the deliver it to your door. Wow. (laughs) Go to ultrarunning.com. We're here with the Ultra Footwear Performance Gate Tip. Of the podcast, Scott,
0: and we have one of uh,
1: ultra's elite athletes,
0: Jason Schlarb. On Jason has a lot of credits to his name, including the fastest overall time at the Pocatello 50K. He has a fifth fastest time at the Speedgo 50K and a yeah. third fastest time at the San Juan Solstice 50 Miler. So yeah. he knows how to run.
1: Why don't you go take the, take the toughest courses and the, and and test your metal on Flat, those, flatten <laughs> them out, yeah.
0: So, Jason, you we uh, want to know what your tip, your gate tip is for today.
2: Uh, you know, my my gate tip is is kind of personal. It, it it happens to be one of my weaknesses. Mm. So it's something that I'm thinking about personally when I'm running and training. You know, even this season, every day. So it, it's it's my forward lean. Uh, Getting out from uh, you know, getting in the back seat and getting a little bit more forward and having that kind of chest lead me through my run, I think that that's that, that's the tip that I would I would work on along with making sure that my foot strike is under the center of my gravity, which which is basically right under my hips. Uh, those those are the two things that I would give for tips. Um, it's a lot harder uh, done than said, mm. <laughs> so. It, it's something that I'm always working on.
1: Hey, can I add to that uh, center of, you know, hitting underneath your center of gravity? I've kind of pictured a razor or a skateboard, and where does my foot come down when I'm riding that? It doesn't come down in front of me, it comes down right underneath me. And so I can use that visual and experience to kind of help me with that because I know it's important, like you said, to, to watch that. But I have a key question for you since you say you work on lean. How do you lean so that gravity isn't starting to work against you or using your back muscles to hold you up from this lean? And so can you just kind of help me with where do you find that perfect lean spot? What do you
2: use? Um, You know, I use a few different methods. Uh, One of the methods is to make sure I'm looking in the right place Uh Um, and and my actual like neck and head is in the right position because if I don't have that in the very first step, then I'm, I'm for sure going to find myself in the back seat. So that that is, for me, a forward gaze, like looking straight ahead at the horizon line and then kind of having my chin almost uh, tucked down just a touch. Uh, I, I think that that's the, the proper position. I know that uh, you know back in my road running days and running at university and college and, and even a little bit in high school, when I got tired or I was uh, running at a fast pace, my neck and my head could kind of start to lean back. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of like that, you know, like pushing really hard kind of uh, 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 look. And that really would mess up my, my, uh, my gait. And so if I can k- get that forward look, chin down, and then kind of like lean forward through the hips a little bit, you know, that, that's, 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 that's how I can kind of uh, start to get that forward lean going. And, and I would kind of describe it as like if you're just standing still, and you kind of start to fall forward, you want to find yourself in that just a little bit over, over your hips and, and knees kind of position. That, that's, that's, uh, that's how I would describe the, the forward lean.
1: That's great. You know, as, as you were telling it, I see you leaning forward. I was leaning with you, and I wonder how many people out there were leaning forward with us. <laughs> hey, Jason,
0: uh, uh, what, what shoe do you like to train in?
2: Um, You know, I'm primarily an oversized maximalist shoe wear, especially for my ultra running. I find that uh, that is the best thing for my body, for my recovery, and also for stability and uh, even just charging down technical trails. I wear the Ultra Paradigm, which is Mm. about a 35-millimeter stack height, uh, nine-ounce shoe that's actually meant for the road, but I find that the cutout traction and the exposed EVA is 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 it, it really does does the job on almost any trail condition besides extremely muddy or really, really snowy or icy.
0: well, and he and he's currently residing at the foothills of the Hard Rock 100. So I would say yeah. that if he's t- using this road shoe on the hard Rock course, you guys can use it on any trail out <laughs> It's there. qualified. Um, yeah. We uh, also want to direct people. You do have a, a, a blog, Jason, jasonschlarb.com. Go check it out. He has a lot of information about that.
1: And go check out ultrafootwear.com, and you can find that on our partners page. You can go to our website, go to partners, and link directly to ultrafootwear.com and see the cool shoes that they have designed for trail runners. Thanks a lot. We, Jason, thank you so much, and have a great season this year.
2: All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. You got it. Dr. Romanoff, I, you're you're probably very
0: uh, experienced at professional interviews. This is not one of them. <laughs> come on. Don't put yourself <laughs> down. We, 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 we are very uh, uh, casual. <laughs> casual. That's a good word.
2: Ashley, were you expecting a professional podcast? No, I wasn't. Apparently not. Sorry, guys. Yeah.
0: And it was a miserable,
1: miserable day. Welcome to another edition of Trail Runner Nation. I'm Don Freeman. I'm Scott War. And I'm Warren Pole. Welcome, Warren Pohl, and probably one of the most important podcasts we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> <It's not laughs> is much. it? It's the do's and don'ts of ultra running and brought to us by um, some of the experts that we recognize out there on the trails, usually standing on a podium at the end. Yeah, we, we, I, I happened to be reading an article in Competitor Magazine
0: and came across an article that had some very top runners, Anton Kropichka, Pam Smith, Jeff Rose, uh, Michelle Yates, um, that talked about the do's and don'ts. And then I, I, I actually remembered an article from a while back of Hal Kerner that he, he talked about some do's and don'ts. I thought, let's just rap about what to do and what not to do. And so I... I, I reached out to to Warren Pohl, and I said hey we want to do this podcast on do's and don'ts and he texted back do run don't quit <laughs> and he says I got it <laughs> is that what you said it was it was probably a little more uh, eloquent. eloquent yes
3: so uh, no I I think you you've got it it was do do run don't stop and all we need to do now is spin that out for an hour and a bit and I think we've we've nailed it
1: <laughs> so Warren Pohl, what's up with you what's going on what where have you been uh, have you had a bib on lately and not for eating, but for running. What's go, What's happening with you?
3: I've always got the uh, the bib on for eating. So other than that uh, trail marathon excursion, I've been keeping myself honest because uh, work is very busy at the moment. Um, and my racing schedule has had to be slightly turned down a little so that I can devote a little more attention to work. Um, but I don't want to get sloppy. So I have uh, – and here's, here's a do. Do surround yourself with good people. Um, I have surrounded myself with some good people. They are training for a variety of challenges. One is doing a solo 2,000-kilometer triathlon from Morocco to Monaco. Others are doing some 100-milers. Others are doing a crazy duathlon. And basically, this lot go by the name of the PRC or Paul's Running Club. Uh, <laughs> it's called Paul's Running Club because it was started by a guy called Luke. So that that, that makes perfect sense. gives you an idea of, of who these guys are. Of course. And um, I make sure that uh, I, I hang with these guys regularly. And that, that keeps my training going. Um, keeps me ticking over nicely. We do sort of 20-milers, maybe marathons, half-marathons, the odd 30-miler on the weekends just to keep things interesting. And if I can stay with them, I know that I'm not going to end up in a bad place while uh, work takes precedence for a few months.
1: You know, that's that's an excellent point, keeping yourself honest and staying plugged in. And when when work or life sets its, its own personal priorities and tries to move your race or training priorities, you, you do keep yourself in shape, not too far off. You know, within arm's reach of of actually getting back into the racing. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. We're we're honest at Trail Runner Nation. Well, if, if, they you know, if if we're
0: anything, we're honest. <laughs> <laughs> we may not know anything, um, but you know, Don and I, in our individual careers, are are coming in uh, have been in a very busy time, and you know, we're we're always looking at each other, going, "Oh my gosh, we just have so much on our plate." Uh, you know, when do we? let go of trail runner nation and that sort of stuff. But the one thing that Don has done very well that I have not is he's consistently been out there running. Not, not maybe as much as, as he should be for a, a a race that's coming up, but at least he's keeping the the knife sharp. And, and that's where I've fallen down where I have my
1: knife is a butter knife right now. (laughs) Well, well, Scott, I don't know if my knife is sharp, but I can recognize the difference between the handle and the blade. (laughs) You know which end to grab? That's it. See, I don't.
0: Mine looks like a stick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it might be quite a stick, though. As long as it's not one of those special, like, Tommy Tippy plastic baby knives, you, you're you still in a good place. There's there's hope yet.
0: Well, I you know, I, I, I'm I motivated by what you just said. I need to surround myself with, uh, with people that are running, mm-hmm. not just, uh, you know, my friend Don, but maybe I need to uh, – he wants new friends. It's
1: <laughs> it's the it's the is title of this podcast. Scott wants new friends. <laughs> Scott, who wants to be my friend? <laughs> hey, so uh, so I hear the first do and don't is do keep running, yeah. re- regardless of you know re- regardless of, in my lowest uh, available time for training. If I can only really get out there from my front door, not get to the trail, but my front door and do a three-mile loop or a five-mile loop, just keep some consistency yeah. because that goes a long ways. And you you say to yourself, "Well, I don't have my full two hours that I would dedicate to this particular t- training run." That's okay. You know, just get out of the door and put something on your on your uh, on your log, your workout log, Warren.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a brilliant idea, and, and it maybe it's I'm trying to work out ahead of time, is this a do or a don't? I, maybe it's a don't. Don't worry when your training plans change or they're forced to reduce for certain reasons, or, or even you might find after several years of really racing hard, you just don't quite feel like racing hard for a bit. You know, mm-hmm. don't beat yourself up about that. You are not your race results. Uh, You are not your next race and you are not your last race either. You are you. And if you want to uh, relax, tone it down for a little bit, do that, whatever it requires to keep your love of getting out there running. Because you've got to love it. Maybe not every time. There are times when we know we're building up for an A race and you've got to push and there's a level. And there's a satisfaction in that and there's a discomfort as well. But other times, just... Go with what you feel and, you know, hang out with some good people and make sure you get yourself out there. You know, they'll get you out of bed and get you onto the trail. But just keep ticking over and enjoy it and make sure that your heart says, yeah, I'm really enjoying this.
1: And if that fails, I say go out and buy something. Buy yourself <laughs> <laughs> Go buy yourself a new pair of shoes. Get yourself, you know. That's a good, that's actually a really good idea. You Very know, good. Get, it works. Get some tailwind nutrition. Maybe try a flavor you haven't tried. Just do something to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> so uh, Mix it up? Yeah. Good, good pun. Thank you. Or a, a new watch. Do something. You know, stay fresh, stay engaged, and have some fun. So let's do some do's and don'ts of uh, some of these uh, successful racers and uh, talk about some of their advice when they were asked to give some key do's and don'ts you know i think one of uh
0: the ones that pam smith came up with was uh don't compare yourself to others um i think it, for the most part trail runners fall do a better job of that than let's say our tri athlete cousins uh or maybe some shorter distance uh people but uh you know we we need to remember not to compare ourselves this person's out there training five days a week and I can only train on you know a couple nights a week and on the weekends or something like that.
1: Where do you do you do you see any truth to that between the two tribes? One more with the Excel spread spreadsheet and the other maybe uh not
3: you're 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 talking about the uh, the trail runners and their endless comparisons of sector times and course times and spreadsheets and aero riding positions. No, hang on, I've got the wrong sport. That is triathlons. <laughs> um it's true that the triathlete as a breed can be more analytical they can seem more robot like a little more cold and you know but possibly if you you meet that triathlete um, on the trail they're obviously lost point them back in the direction of a swimming pool <laughs> or a bicycle uh, but if you meet them you know reach out cuddle that person you may find cuddle. there's a shared cuddle you know give give them a, give them a bit of a man hug or, or whatever just see there might be a decent human being un, under there after all um i, I have to say this because I've been uh, severely enlightened into the world of triathlon. I have dabbled with it in the past, but I've been very lucky to work with Chrissy Wellington, four-time Ironman world champion recently. and um, She's had some really good advice exactly on this subject that sprung to mind, and this don't compare yourselves to others. Now, um, it's sort of hard when at the end of the race you get ranked and there's people ahead of you and people behind you. Your, Your natural thing at the end of the race, there will be some comparison. But what she said is, um, be the best you can be and that's exactly I think what you were both talking about there whereas one person trains 20 hours a week, one person has you know three kids and a job and trains five hours a week don't compare yourself to that professional, you, there's, you're just not even the same people and you might be 100% of your potential, they might actually only be 90% and still be four hours ahead of you um, you've got to see it in terms of, of your own life and what you have available so um, does that somehow peel the lid back on this a bit at all? Or should we just go back to cuddling triathletes in Bush? <laughs> no,
1: I, I don't think we should ever cuddle a triathlete. But I, I <laughs> do think that what, what you made me think about is don't compare don't compare yourself to yourself. There may be different phases and times in your life where, you, where you have more time to train or maybe you maybe you worked through an injury and you're kind of coming back. Don't always hold yourself to old PRs or, or uh, expectations. They may have to sometimes expectations change during a race, and sometimes they change during a, a training cycle. So uh, Freeman, that's pretty philosophical. That's uh, pretty deep. I, I probably don't know what I'm talking about. I, <laughs> you, you must be seeing something in that comment that I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm going to
0: bring it back from the philosophical and say, do you think that the, the trail runners are comparing themselves more now than what they used to? With Strava and and that's exactly what I was thinking was, was Strava and fastest known time website and that sort of thing. Do you think that they're, they're, they're pushing themselves? I, you know, in some regards, that's very good. That's why we race, right? If we didn't, if, if we, we want to get better, we want to push ourselves and push that limit. Um, but I'm just wondering if, if maybe we're comparing ourselves too much now.
1: It is a race after all. We do call them races and that means try to, try to do your best. Yeah. So I don't know. I think uh, I think there's a a healthy dose of of good competitiveness out there. Okay.
3: I think let it move around. There are times when you're going to be super competitive. There are times when you're going to want to smash what you did before. And there are other times when you're just going to go out and enjoy it. And maybe you have to learn to go with the flow between those two things. Uh, the times when you really want to push for a new PR, and and the times when actually you're just running for the hell of it.
1: So let's get let's get a do from Pam Smith, who was the 2013 Western States 100 champion, and she says, "Do believe in your training?" And I think that is very very important. Have confidence in your preparation. Don't second guess yourself. You don't don't burn energy worrying about did I did I train enough? You've got to step up there. And toe the line with confidence that you 've done the work and and place confidence in that, so when things start to shake up a little bit and things unravel because they do that 's what this sport is that you can keep solace, knowing I prepped for this, I did my work i 'm fine, and this is this is unraveling, but it 's going to come back together and i've done my homework, so have confidence in your training, or I think I stepped on you, were you about to say something? <laughs>
3: No, no, I, my 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 comment wasn't entirely useful there. It was um, what, if you have, what if you haven't done any preparation.
1: <laughs> Let, let's let's table that for a second, Scott. <laughs> well, let's ponder that. Um,
0: no, I was going to say, I was just talking to a friend that is uh, training for her first 100k race, mm-hmm. and it's like in three weeks or something like that, and has come up with a hamstring issue uh, where she's very concerned that she can't, well, she can't get out there and run. It it will just continue to, to aggravate that. And she was just getting very stressed out about that. I said, how long have you been training for this race? Months and months and months, trust that training. You're Mm -hmm. not gonna lose anything in the next
1: three, three weeks. So
0: that's what I was gonna say about trust your training. Do
1: trust your training. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to Warren's um, um, issue. What if you haven't trained? Then, then uh, you know, what do you trust at that point?
3: Well, I, I think maybe this is a don't at this point. Oh. And this is <laughs> don't. So if you're in that situation where you haven't prepared, you, you will have to arrive at, at whatever race it is with a, a plan. And don't listen to the person next to you who says they've been running 100 miles a week for six months and they know exactly what you should be doing. And it's this, 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 and this. And you need to, you know... Run this part at this pace and that part at that pace because they're probably wrong too. And either way, when you haven't prepared, the only thing that can get you through this race is you. So at that point, you can't rely on your training. You need to rely on yourself. Uh And if you're going to rely on yourself, I've probably brought this all the way around again because you've got to be arriving at your training, even if it was six months ago. Sorry, not arriving at You've got to be relying on your training. Because you've got to have something in the bank to have rocked up at a race completely unprepared.
1: You don't ever have to correct a, a, a word because I figure you must know how it's used since you're in England. <laughs> and we're all the way out here in California. We've probably lost track of its path, that yes. word path. So so, so um, and we, we have all heard some people have had some of their best races without a, all the training or preparation. Because they've had to hold back and they had to be very careful with their execution because they don't have a great deal of confidence that they have a lot of deep training behind them. And so they treat, them, treat their, their race very fragile. So they make sure they don't blow themselves up. So, and at the end, they end up with a great race. So it's amazing to hear those stories that not a lot of training, yet one of my PRs. So.
3: Or maybe there's an element of there's uh, when you have trained really hard and it's a really big goal, then uh, there's an element of stage fright. When you haven't trained, you, you don't turn up on that line really expecting anything. You know, uh, anything is a bonus, and you kind of go into it in a much more carefree attitude, mm. which either means that you are going to snap both Achilles tendons before the first stage <laughs> uh, or, or win it. But either way, you're going to do it in style.
0: You know, let's I'm going to throw out a topic and let's go do's and don'ts on a topic. Um, starting lines. Yeah. And I'm going to start it out by saying, uh, one that, that Hal Kerner mentioned in one of his articles, don't panic. And, and I think about this and I think, you know, there, there's a lot of anxiety at the starting line where, you know, you're, you're anxious to get out and, and, and that sort of thing. And we were just a, a recent race and, um, the first two waves took off and they were gone. And, Probably two or three minutes after that second wave had gone, um, this guy comes running up and he's just like panicking. You know, I'm, I'm late, I'm late. And he's thinking the race was pretty much over. It was a 50-mile race. And I was thinking. Dude, with chip timing. So he was. Yeah, I was thinking, dude, you just relax. Don't panic about it. Go, Go use the restroom after everybody's already left the starting line. <laughs> Don't wait in that line. Mm-hmm. So that's my don't, my starting line,
1: don't, don't panic. My, my, st- my starting line strategy is uh, show up at the last minute. I do not like, <laughs> quite honestly, I, I am not one, t- I don't like to get around all that uh, hubbub, all that extra, that isn't, that's like a hill, that's like climbing a hill before the race starts. There's a lot of energy suck that happens at the beginning with the nerves and the people and that doesn't add to me, that kind of takes out of me. So I kind of like just showing up. At the last minute.
0: Yeah, there's people that show up like hours before the start, don't they? Yeah, yeah. To get a good parking
1: spot because they can't walk that far <laughs> <laughs> to the starting line. it's yeah, a good strategy. <laughs> so how about you, Warren? Are you an early arriver after you've heard us, uh you know, give a hard time to these people that show up early? What uh, What's your classic arrival at a uh, marathon or ultra marathon, whatever distance?
3: As as late as possible, ideally as the pack is already moving so that I don't actually have to stop between arriving at the line and moving off to cross the start. Wow, that's uh, timing there. I, I'm just not you – know, I'm, I'm with you all the way, Don. I'm not in favor of standing around on my feet for ages when I'm about to go and run a very long way. I'd quite like to be somewhere calm and walk up. Now, I realize that if everybody did that – the race organisers would have a nightmare, but <laughs> most people don't. So it, it works for those of us who like to just turn up late, and particularly uh, if you like to run with the mayor, yes. uh, as I'm quite of. You've you got to be at the back if you want to do that.
0: You know, I, I like your uh, your idea of of momentum. You arrive. You're coming into the starting. Don't even don't even stop. Just keep on going you got to get out of the car, put it in park, but just keep on going. Keep that momentum going forward.
1: I just bail out of the car, open the door, roll out, let the car go where it may. <laughs> that's the momentum I'm talking about.
3: Is that considered an unfair advantage as you cross the line with all that added momentum of your car traveling at 50 miles an Not hour? Not in
1: California. We're okay with that. <laughs> in Europe, I think I think that's an unfair advantage. You guys over there, I believe, uh, can can cut through the uh, switchbacks, and we can roll out of cars over here. How how about
0: we're still on starting line. I oh, we are? I have another okay. one for starting line. Okay. And this is this is we've talked about this a number of times. You've heard it from all your your mentors. Don't go out too hard. The starting line, don't go out too hard. Run your own race. So that's another do for you. I mean a do not. <laughs> <laughs> do not don't, go out. Do not go out too hard. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and so in, in the races as they become more and more popular, the conga line can be uh, can be an issue. You can get caught up. You can get caught up with a group that uh, you feel comfortable running with because you're in shape. Heck, you're you're set to run 30 or 50 or 100 miles. So and you, it's the beginning of the race. And so you're fresh legs, and the conversation is good. But you know you know when you're in the heart of hearts that this might be a bit too fast. I can't run this the entire race. And a conga line can be a, a dangerous place, particularly in the beginning so uh caution caution of even going out too fast if you know that's the rule and you've committed not to do it all of a sudden to get caught in that is uh it isn't a good thing and the, and i'll i'll go ahead and continue talking and say sure go ahead thanks and uh, i would have edited i would have edited <laughs> my comments right next to each other you don't didn't? edit anything I mean, you're tr- true to that now <laughs> now if you're into a conga line that moves too slow you cannot stress about that. You could burn more that's energy. That's a good
0: point. That's a really good point.
1: You could burn... I added that in. Okay. <laughs> you could burn more energy worrying about your slow line than you would running in the fast line. So just mellow out, enjoy it, and then pass when appropriate.
0: You know, really, when you think about it, how much slower are they running than what you want to be going? Probably not much. Not much. And at your first aid station, four or six miles down the down the road, that's when you can... Make a quick stop and keep on going. Get and, ahead of them.
1: And to, to, to piggyback on the, on the back of that comment, the if you're running in that slower conga line, if you ask yourself, would I be happy at this pace at the end of the run? And I'll bet your answer would be yes, because it's probably not a bad pace. Yeah. So just uh, relax. Warren, are you still with us? Do you know what a conga line is, do, Warren? Do, do they, they have ha- conga lines in Europe? Do they call them conga lines over there?
3: We, we don't, I mean, I I know what you're talking about. I don't think we would call it a conga line. The French uh, may call it a le conga line uh, from the uh, be French uh, le conga. Um, but no, conga line for us is normally drunk aunties at a wedding, uh, right. dancing around in a circle sort of thing and, and going in and out the tables. Which but, kind of uh, sounds
0: just, pretty nice right about now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Some drunk aunties. Uh, yeah, you don't want to catch them on the trail. But no, I, I guess you're talking, we'd probably just call it a, a traffic jam. Huh. Um, or, you know, when you just got a, a big blockage of people, isn't it? And uh, what, what can you do? I think the advice is sage-like, the wisdom coming from that table.
0: You know, just just for our world audience, I know what uh, a traffic jam is in um, Japanese. What, it's called a jutai. A jutai? Jutai is traffic jam in Japanese. Just yep. thought I'd throw that out yep. there. We can edit that out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we we edit nothing.
1: Um, so Warren, what you must have a term for it. I mean, you just came up kind of off the cuff. We call it a traffic jam, but you didn't really mean that. What what term must you need a term? You need to adopt Conga yeah. line. Traffic jam. Yeah, traffic jam maybe, is kind of weak. Yeah, that's for road runners. We're on the trail.
3: We should probably spread uh, the Conga line or come up with an alternative. Maybe people could. Uh text or tweet in with your ideas, because honestly, I just go, well, that's a line of people, or (laughs) a line, or a blockage, or uh, there's a load of people stepping around a puddle. I'll go through it. Um, I never went, wow, a conga line, but from now on, I will, and and perhaps this is one of the great things about this show, that this will be spread beyond the shores of of America.
1: Good, good. All right, so shall we move on from the conga line to uh, Anton Kropitschka, two-time Leadville 100 winner? He's going to give us a do, do eat early and often. And we we hear about motto. that and we've always talked about it. But one of the things that 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 I thought about when when he when he wrote that down was you know your stomach works early and it doesn't always work later. And so go ahead and start fueling while while it's working while you're feeling good and uh like like he said in here or, or someone down the line there's no catching up. It's tough to catch up when you're behind especially if the stomach isn't isn't working that well. Uh, so eat early and eat often while you're feeling good. You
0: know, Jeff Rose actually puts uh, in in the same article. One of the do's for him is to make sure you get a decent amount of calories uh, in your system the morning of the race. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, if you're if you're a, a shorter distance runner um, and then moving into the ultras, the shorter distance runners, from what I'm told, um, get in the habit of not eating in the morning. You know, they they really don't need that, but Jeff was saying uh, in his article, you know, it's a pretty good idea to to eat a
1: good breakfast, get some calories in, so your body is already starting to to work. He he even he even mentioned it may slow you down a bit because you have a full stomach, which could be good and it helps you from going out too fast.
0: Yeah. yeah. Are you are
1: you eating often there, Warren?
0: <laughs> what are you eating?
3: Yeah, I, I, I was eating right then. Actually, I took that mention of food as a as a quick moment to eat because <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it's It time was a permission here. and. and- that should be remembered in a race too, you know. Um, on the one hand, you've, you've got a nutrition strategy to look after, and you know, am I hungry? Yes. Well, you, you better eat regularly. Um, but if your race is 12 hours, 18 hours, 24 hours, what, what time of day is it? Well, you know, I've gone through lunch and dinner time. Make sure that you are getting enough food on and things that you want to eat because you know you've missed lunch, you've missed dinner, and you've been running the entire time. And, I've often found it's quite useful to stage some sort of impromptu breakfast-type thing at an aid station when suitable. You know, Take a slightly longer break if you're hitting an aid station at 5, 6 in the morning. Take a longer break. Treat this as like your breakfast because you, you, you are getting through a very long day at that point.
0: You know, um, I'm going to pose a question to the panel here. Um, there is a, a, a law in, in ultra-running, don't try anything new on race day. What about if you come into an aid station and you're craving something that you spy on the table that you have never eaten before in a training run? Do you try it Go. on a race <clears throat> day? You're going, I, 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 I'm I craving this quesadilla. La quesadilla, as in the French would say. Um, there's a quesadilla. <laughs> so what's the rule? If you put la in front of anything, it's <laughs> yeah. French? Okay. Yeah. As long as Isn't that rule. right, Warren? Um, yeah. Is yeah, Erica absolutely. around? Can she translate for us?
3: No, no, she's she, she's downstairs at the moment. I, I might see if she could help us out with some Italian translation on this. We could possibly do sottotitoli. Oh, That's Italian <laughs> subtitles.
0: Um, so, so again, if you're craving something, you're coming into an aid station and you see something that is going to satisfy that
1: craving. What do you guys propose? Do you try it? You you, you want to lean in on that, Warren? Because I'm, I'm I have answer ready.
3: I, I would say that uh, within the bounds of decency, you know, un- unless it's someone's like fellow crew member or something like that, <laughs> you should possibly not act on that whim, particularly if you're a bit sleep deprived, you never know what you might get up to. But um, in terms of food, yeah, if you're craving it, invariably there's a reason. You know, you crave sweet stuff, you're probably a bit low on carbs, you crave crave salty stuff, you're probably um, a bit low on electrolytes and stuff. So within reason, go with that. But I think the, ter- ter- the off point is certainly early in your ultra running career you can really crave something eat it and then feel violently sick so it was totally the wrong thing to eat you just haven't quite tuned into your body signals very well but once you've got a few races and a bit of time under your belt you're pretty easy you're not going to make a mistake that bad with your food so i think you can trust your cravings the longer you've been ultra running
0: that's a good point
1: yeah yeah and what's the worst thing that can happen you know you uh, get rid of it you know fingers down the throat Done with that? Put that on the list of things not to do in the Sunny future. Sunny Blende calls that the reset reset button. Reset that stomach
0: and move on. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> let's let's talk about aid stations. Do's and don'ts at aid stations. Um, you know, one of the ones that uh, Hal Kerner talks about is don't spend too much time in an aid station. And if you think about it, he did a little math problem here, a word problem, if you will, um, where he said.
1: Western states, for example. Scott, this is not a very sophisticated word problem, going on, but I liked how you've set this up. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I'm going to draw a Aid station, okay. I'm going to put a
0: graphic on the podcast description that, Would you? that, that, that draws this out in, in rough schematic. Um, Western states has 20 aid stations. Got it, 20. 20 aid stations. If you spend two extra minutes in each aid station. Okay, two minutes. What's the math there? Forty, 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah, you wasted
1: forty minutes. So be be um, quick in your aid stations. So when I when I read that, I thought, what if I was given the chance to start forty minutes before the gun? That's a lot of time. And what if I'm trying to break twenty four hours or whatever the time is, and I have an additional forty minutes because of that aid station management, not lingering and loitering yeah. at the aid station.
0: There's so, no rules that say you can't eat. While you're running, well, that's true. That's that's preferred, I think. Uh, it's keep moving forward. Back. So grab your stuff. You have two hands. You
1: have a pack. Pack it and leave it. Mm-hmm. Planning on what you're going to eat before you get there. I, you know, that's that's something I think that I've used to distract my mind from just w- what's going on. Is okay. I'm going to start planning for my aid station, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about what might be there, and what I'm looking for, what I might be hungry for, or the things I want to not forget. And inevitably, I forget to empty my pockets full of trash. How many times have you carried a bunch of goo wrappers down the, to the next aid station? But uh, I use that. That five minutes just kind of drifts away and goes away as I'm trying to think about what to do when I get there. And it's helpful.
3: You see, that, that's how I can tell that, we're, we're, you, you know, you guys run in America where the aid stations have a bountiful <laughs> supply of stuff. I'm running in England. I mean, it's improving. Don't, don't get me wrong, but you might not be thinking of what will I have at the aid station? You're thinking, will there be anything <laughs> at the aid station? I hope that biscuit hasn't been eaten by the four people in front of me, and maybe there'll be some tea left in the pot. It's, um, you know, There are different considerations, but it's whatever gets you through and to take that a little further, um, would this be relevant in the US? Because I know at a lot of your bigger races, you can have a few more crew and things, but if you've got to an aid station with a drop bag, let's say, and it's been a long night, and uh, you're, you're particularly in a sleep-deprived moment, I would recommend that people write a little list. You know, If it's a race where you've got to carry a phone, just make a note on your phone of the things you want to do at the aid station, things you want to take out of your bag, things you want to put in, clothes you want to change. Would that be relevant to races over in the US?
1: I think so. A, a checklist? Yeah. A lot checklist yeah. if you were in France? <laughs> <laughs> I think it could be, if you could find it. Yeah, uh, I, I had a I had a sheet, you know, where you write down where the aid stations are and all this stuff. And i And I took very uh, great care into writing it neatly. And I used a felt pen, and then I put some tape on it to try to seal it. And then it ended up getting wet, and it was just a big <laughs> ink <block>. A bruise. <laughs> it was just a, a a blue piece of paper when I was done. So so did that stress
0: you out? That no. all of a sudden your your plan that you have have spent so much time on.
1: Now you don't know what to do. You know what, Scott? When I go out there and, and, and do those, I don't expect anything to go right. I just show up and I just start headed the direction. What color ribbons are we using? And I, and I just just go. I think that's half the fun. It's just uh, it's an adventure as much as a race. For me, it's an adventure race. I think, I think you do that uh, subconsciously. I, I do like that component. <laughs> it, it's, the, the unknown is really the, the fun part about it. What about uh, your
0: aid station workers? Do's and don'ts as you interact with aid station workers.
1: Uh, well, not you got to remember there are some very experienced veterans out there and some that are brand new. Mm-hmm. And so the ones that are brand new, you give them a lot of slack and understand and you appreciate all of them, of course. But but I like to find the, the veteran, the guy that or the gal that you know has has a few medals or buckles or shirts to their name because they know exactly what you need. They're a no-hassle, quick quick to respond. They know which way to how much ice to put in your bottle if you want it. they cuz they they know if it's full of ice you're not going to be able to get any fluid by your next aid station. So the real veteran is one I think to look for.
0: So uh, you would say a do is look for the veteran and yeah. if you have any
1: questions Ask them questions. Ask the Because que- that veteran's not going to say, oh, it's all downhill from here, or you're almost there. They're not going to tell you any of that. They're going to give you the real scoop. It's six miles, and they're not easy, probably some of the toughest on the course. And make sure you get some ice with you before you go down your back or something, because it gets hot on this portion. If you know some good, somebody that has good course knowledge that's volunteering there because they love their home course, oh, man, mm. that's, that's good intel, Lot intel.
3: I, I like it. That's uh, that, that's very useful. Uh, and, unless, of course, you're you're over here, and I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of, in, in, in a lot of the European races, you, you, the bigger ones. You get a lot of young volunteers who clearly know nothing. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, they can pick stuff up much quicker than the old guys. They get your stuff out fast as well. Although sometimes it's the wrong thing. You have to you have to moderate the approach. There.
1: Well, I mean, what, which which biscuit to pick up? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> technical stuff. Like how, how many <laughs> <It's>, biscuits? Uh... <laughs>
3: For so kids, it's all just biscuits. They don't get
1: it. Well, what is a biscuit comprised of? Is it just like some yeast and water? Unleavened and- bread. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Ritz cracker. Is that right? I, Did, I don't know. Is there salt on them? Is Are they like made specifically for ultra running, these biscuits?
3: Well, I mean, they, they are. Well, well oh, I grew up on biscuits. I don't know if they were specific to ultra running, but it's what you call a cookie, really. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have biscuits, you have cookies, but now we have biscuits that look like cookies and we call those cookies because there is a visual difference between the two the biscuit tends not to have lumps of stuff sticking out of it it tends to be a more uniform shape a bit more like a piece of hardboard possibly with chocolate on top of it if you're lucky
1: a biscuit could have chocolate on it
3: absolutely hmm.
1: so I, I, it absolutely. sounds to me like biscuit could be just about anything that uh <laughs> <it> <laughs> kind of crumbles a if ch- it crumbles it could is- be a, uh, considered a biscuit
3: a biscuit is normally a sweet thing and sometimes would have, have chocolate on top. If you got a cookie and really flattened it and took the chocolate chunks out, there you go. There's a, there's a biscuit. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, we, we, didn't, uh, we didn't carry on the tradition when we crossed the Atlantic, apparently.
3: <laughs> Another thing with Austin got lost in translation, and not necessarily for the worst.
0: <laughs> you know, it goes without saying, uh, aid station, volunteers, yeah. you don't yell at them. You treat them with kindness. You treat them with respect. Um,
1: that that just goes without saying. They're not getting paid, right? It's rare that you see somebody getting yelled at, but you. I've seen some I've people seen with it. short temper. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not their fault. You're having a crappy day. Yeah, and it's usually just that. I've never seen somebody having a great day yell at anybody. It's usually somebody that's races unraveling, and that's part of the part of the uh, chaos that occurs. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I think a part of that courtesy is um, at night do turn your head torch off or away from pointing directly forwards. That way you will not blind the poor person at the aid station who's already been blinded by 500 other people <laughs> who didn't think that they were blinding them with a head torch at point blank range. They never say anything. They're sort of squinting and crying a bit, but they never complain. Don't be that person who makes it worse for them. Just uh, turn that torch off or just pull it, pull it to the side of your head so that when you're talking to them, you are not blinding them. Hey, It'll be much nicer for them and, and for you. That's
1: a great point, and and that wasn't such a big deal when when the uh, the greatest lumen was like a hundred, <laughs> right? Well, you know, right now the now has five hundred and seventy five lumen. I mean, a retina could be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> you could fry somebody's retinas. It, <laughs> in, in fact, I think the new now comes with some some eye protective wear for fellow runners. I think
3: they probably have to. You're going to give people a suntan. <laughs>
1: So Anton also says, um, don't overthink, you know, stay in tune with your effort and don't, don't try to be, after all, it is just running. You know how to run, relax and enjoy the journey and don't overthink. Don't try to get too, too involved in, in the many, many micro details. It should be fun. Uh, It doesn't mean not to be aware of your surroundings and and go on automatic pilot, but uh, don't overstress. Because I think running efficiency is not only proper gait, but it's also proper effort and and, and mental, um, how much energy you're putting into the, the mental side of it. Relax and just do it.
0: You know, I think one of the things that helps me relax is a do, and that is
1: talk to people, make a new friend. You know? Oh, yeah. I Chat think, it up. Yeah, I think uh, having a discussion out there kind of takes your mind off of things mm-hmm. and to move on. Now, now, there was a gentleman that was at the beginning of a race that I was in and i worked i went ahead and left early and worked a little harder because his discussion was just a kind of negative i just had ah. to get away from some negative negative vibe it just didn't it seemed like the effort that i was going to put he was negative at the beginning of the race yeah yeah like about what negative stuff you know just things that were like the weather <laughs> I don't know, Scott. It was just negative. <laughs> I'm just trying to find out. It may have been me. <laughs> I, want, I want to correct my, my personality no, a little no, bit. No, I don't to mention that. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think uh, hook, hooking up with some good positive people and good energy. You know, There's some people with good energy and some people with not so good energy. Find yourself in a good spot. I think that's as important as uh, um, your own personal effort is being around positive. You know, that's good. That's good to find a good, good positive mojo.
3: You can almost split that, that into two, which is do reach out and, and have conversations with people and, 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 you know, be prepared to meet different people and, and experience different things. But um, don't be afraid to drop the lunatics like a hot potato because they will ruin your race before they ruin theirs.
1: Well, thanks. You know, Warren, I appreciate you saying that because when, when, I, was, when I was explaining it, Scott made me feel like that there wasn't such thing as a race lunatic. But there are some people out there that can, can you know, a vampire of, of energy. Well, I would say
0: yeah. it's not just at races.
1: It's at this table right now?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Are you eating a biscuit? Is that what you're eating? A biscuit? You having a biscuit, Warren? It,
3: it's it's a chicken sandwich, unfortunately. I hate to disappoint. I might be able to find a biscuit. This is actually I'm actually in my parents' house at the moment, which is a house I grew up in since the age of two. I definitely know where the biscuit tin is in this house. Okay.
0: No, what what was I gonna say? Um oh no. Training. hmm You mm. know, we've all had people that we've trained with before that are negative Nellies. And you get, you got to get away from that. you got to get away from that. I can. I, I have had that issue before.
1: That, that's part of finding the right training partner. Not, yeah. not only pace is important and not only time. what time can you run is important, but what kind of energy do you bring to the trail? Yeah. What else we got? Warren, do's, don'ts?
3: Do's don'ts. Well, um, here's one you'll like, and, and it's, it, it possibly covers some areas we've we've covered before. Um, don't slice your nipples off. How about <laughs> that?
1: Well, you know, I, I'd considered
0: it. <laughs> do uh, tape your nipples.
3: Do do tape, but don't don't slice them off. And this this comes back to trusting your plan and, and not doing anything new on race day. This this happened uh, marathon de sav two thousand and nine, when um, eight hundred runners were held for 24 hours in a hotel in Morocco before the race because unusually the Sahara had flooded and they couldn't start the race on race day. So 800 runners, 90% of whom, it being the Marathon de Sables, have never done the race before, are already at absolute fever pitch the day before. They're told, right, you've got 24 hours before you're going to go. We're going to delay the start of day. Suddenly, Everyone goes, stark raving mental. It's a pressure cooker in there. 800 people packed into a hotel, six to a room. Um, and so strange things start happening. Some people decide they're going to go and run some extra miles just in case they don't get the full distance. Uh, one of them falls over and does his ankle and can't start the race. Um, and someone else is rooming with a guy who's shaved his chest and uh, says to the guy, why have you done that? And the guy goes, well, uh, you know, it's to stop chafing. He goes, brilliant idea. Gets the razor, wallop straight over the nipple, blood everywhere—real nightmare. Um, does, so yeah, does, does this person—is
0: this—is this, is this a personal story? Warren? <laughs> <laughs> do you, do, you have, do you have
1: a flat nipple? <laughs> let's let's bury your nipple, would you?
3: The, the, the plastic surgery didn't go to plan. I, I look a little more like Scaramanga under this shirt, for all you <laughs> fans out there. For those those who are not, he has three nipples. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I'm completely normal. I haven't been scarred by the issue. But you know, before race day. Don't slice your nipple
0: off. <laughs> well, you know, in, in in Europe, what do you use? Do you use like like over here? You know, I, I think the at least around where where I run, people use those little round band aids.
3: I I I don't know. I've never never suffered with any you don't any nipple rubs. Maybe since I removed it, but uh, <laughs> I, I've never. Suffered.
0: You don't you don't you don't nipple up. You don't tape your nipples.
3: I, I don't tape them. I don't grease them. I I don't anything. They they're just pretty pretty happy the way they are, and So you have
0: tough nipples, I, I have Warren.
3: To unfortunately, I don't I don't know what people would use and it's it's not a very manly discussion, unfortunately, <laughs> to fellow runners who may do that in the middle of the trail, if you say, Hey, what do you use on your nipples, do you possibly become the lunatic that they want to run away from
1: <laughs> If you notice every time somebody you start talking to somebody, they start to run a little bit faster. <laughs> you are the lunatic. Hey, Michelle Yates brings something up. She says when eating gets tough because we're still, I don't know what topic we're on at this point, but eating was mentioned earlier. We're on earlier. do's and don'ts. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. All right, so um, when eating gets tough, I reach for some Tums and force gels, bars, and cookies down anyway. No excuses. Um, it will make or break you. And boy, that is so important. When you Some of the the best things um, pacers have done for me is just force me to eat. And I was running with, uh, we bring her up, in the past, Julie Fingar, I was running with her, and it was Headlands 100, and we were in mile 70-ish, and she says, at this point, we're now in an eating contest, and those who eat the most will either keep position or gain position. So mm. just eat. You can't run any faster than anybody else. Right now, we're, everybody's kind of in the same state, but those that feed themselves at this point can maintain this pace, and you'll either fall back or push ahead Based on your nutrition. That, that's a nugget right there. Yeah, yeah. I'm writing
0: that one down, Don. <laughs> that, that is that is wise. Yeah, she says, don't now worry about, don't worry about eating contest. Yeah, Don't
1: worry about running. Mm. Worry about eating, and the running will take care of itself. And wow. I thought that was a good one. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Hal
0: Kerner, he, his last one on his list is do not lose sight of your humanity. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? I went, what? What does that mean? And he goes in to, to talk about how, if if you don't know who Hal Kerner is, he is an elite runner. Mm-hmm. He's usually front of the pack. Mm-hmm. And he talks about a situation where he was in a, a pack of lead runners and somebody turned their ankle. So what do you do? You're a lead runner. Somebody turns their ankle. What do you do? If you're, Laugh. Huh? Laugh. Laugh. <laughs> he said no. He said you stop and you see if you can help. He said that one race, uh, I think it was Western States. One of the one of the top runners took off, made a wrong turn, and he said, "What do you do?" Well, you don't want to win by someone making a mistake like that. So he yelled at him and said, "Hey, you made a wrong turn. It's back this way." That's just that's just cool trail etiquette.
1: I'll give you an example of a, a fellow podcaster on this podcast, Jimmy Dean Freeman, and I was in a race when when and and saw that. Uh, we had a, a, a fellow runner was, who had, was having a great day and was way out in front of us. But all of a sudden, we kind of crept back up to him, and, and then uh, the runner was on the side. And Jimmy came up, and he, what's wrong? What can I do? What can I help you with? He just set a great example of humanity. Mm. You are more important than my race time. I mean, that's clearly what he said. And he didn't rush it. He, he, was, he was tuned in to the needs of that runner. And I thought that was such a cool example. And, uh, it's so easy just to pass them, yeah, right yeah, he taught me a good lesson there because i I, I wasn't as tuned in as as he was because I my head was somewhere else and mm-hmm. it shouldn't have been and and I appreciate Jimmy's um, humanity in that circumstance and and taught, taught, taught me taught me a lot have you seen- I think
3: that's a, re- a really valuable point and it, it, you know it's whether it's thanking the people at the aid station, seeing if people are looking like they're struggling if they need anything. Um, you don't have to suddenly turn into Mother Teresa, but just because you're you're racing, it doesn't mean you have to ignore everything else. You know, take in the beauty around you, be aware of the people around you, um, enjoy the experience. And if you can help someone out, then then go for
1: it. In, in Hal, in some of his do's and don'ts, um, he says, remember, this is a hobby. Don't don't forget, we're supposed to have fun out here, mm-hmm. and it's a hobby. Nobody's running for their life. You know, this isn't for most of us our profession. And our placement isn't going to decide whether we're going to make our mortgage payment or not. This is what we do for fun, and and we do it with one another. So don't forget that. Hmm. So I think that's, that's a good one. Yeah, he made a good point. All right, what else do we have, gentlemen? I think I'm good.
0: I I have a lot of a lot. I have a very long list of things that I need to do,
1: <laughs> and a few that I don't. Uh, Let me see. I've got some more here. What what do you have over there on your side of the? <laughs> Of the podcast. I, I,
3: I definitely got a, uh, I, I've got a couple more do's. I think if we want to throw some more sure. into the into the. Um, do get it wrong sometimes. Mm. Um, blow up, uh, eat the wrong thing, throw up. Um, whatever it may be, bonk. Uh, whatever takes your fancy, but don't be afraid to get it wrong because. A, if you always get it right, it's boring, but B, you're going to accelerate your learning curve the times you get it wrong. That's where you really learn stuff. Now, ideally, you don't want to go repeating the same mistakes, but don't get so set in a comfort zone and a comfortable pace that you don't let yourself just totally make a balls up of it sometimes. And uh, maybe find that there's a, a new level you can go to because of that. You know, it's a bad experience, but you'll you'll put it in the bag for another day. Don't be afraid to fail because that proves you're trying.
0: You know, I'm gonna put a little plug in for a book that I'm listening to, on Audible, uh, right now. It's called "The Five Elements of Effective Thinking," and the number two, I believe it's number two, is fail. They said it's it's very important. This book is written by two math professors, and they said teachers have it all wrong. You need to you need to fail many 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 times before you get it right. Uh, and I think there's a uh, I think Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, one of those old guys, said you know when they said how you know wasn't it discouraging that you took ten thousand times to invent the light bulb? Somebody's gonna re- Right. Thomas Edison, perhaps? I don't know who it was. But anyway, they said, he said, no, he says, I, I, I just learned 10,000 ways to do it wrong before I got it right. So I think you're right, Warren. You can edit that whole thing out. No, can't? I'm keeping
1: that. In fact, we'll probably move it to the front of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, that will, that will really hook them. I think (laughs) that'll that'll draw them in (laughs) because in in the remaining hour, there could be another one of those nuggets in there. There may not be, but they think perhaps this is not one of them. (laughs) Okay. So before you jump in on, on one of your other ones, Warren, um, I'm going to reference one of Hal's here. And we talk so much about being careful, go out slow, but he reminds us of this very important point. Do push yourself a little. This is a race after all. Mm. And that's what you've trained hard for this day. Maybe years of accum- cumulative effort, maybe six months of straight, of prioritizing trainer training over other things in your life. You deserve to claim all that you have worked for. So go for it. Don't be tentative. Push yourself up some of those hills. Find that pace that you've trained for and stick with it. Don't be afraid to set your sights a little bit higher on the dream that you've worked for. Embrace it. And I think that's... Uh, I think that's good. Good advice. We talked not too long ago, and I forget who it was with, and we said, "Can you go out too slow, where in the end Mm -hmm. you would have had a better time if because you would run more efficiently? Your zone is X pace, and you're trying to be so careful and not do anything wrong, so you're running X minus, right? Mm -hmm. And the best spot to be isn't at X plus, but right at X. So you've got to find that X." and not veer on either side of it. The trick is, and the fun is, find an X. So, do you know where your X is? Elusive. Do you know where your X is? And and that X can change at all times. It depends on all the things we kind of talked about. What's your training state? Where's your goal? What What is this race for you? Is it, you know, we talk about A races and B races. You know, where's that X for this? And, and then Hal also mentioned somewhere in here that, You need to be allowed to have uh, primary goals, secondary, Mm -hmm. tertiary goals. You need to be able to have different plans if your X isn't working, whatever it might be, that it's okay to adjust. Have a plan B at the ready. That doesn't mean give up on your goal, but it means if things sometimes in these long races kind of scatter a bit, and they do unravel, and you can't just throw in the towel. You just have to adjust the goal and still, with laser focus, go after that new goal. So... He brings up some good points. La X. La X. <laughs> you had another one over the there? French
3: again. It's just a French podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Should, we, should we mark this in English or French? We should. Uh, we can definitely market it to the French. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you have any comments on that uh, How stuff, uh, Warren, or did you have another one at I, the ready?
3: No, I, I, I love that. And I think it's, um, it's a shame it's not a bit shorter because it would be perfect on a T-shirt. But it's uh, it's the kind of thing that if the race is a, an A goal, if it's something that really matters to you, um, hopefully at that point you've gone past the stage of getting it wrong. This is not a race to blow up and destroy if you can avoid it. But don't be afraid to, to race and don't be afraid to... I know you, you want to come in. Uh, oh, I, I certainly want to come in in these situations. I think everyone would. Uh, you don't want to come in thinking, do you know what? I could have gone faster. I could have been half an hour quicker. You want to leave everything on that trail. If this is the race that you have trained for, if this is what your year has been about, um, then really give it everything. Make sure there's nothing left, because there'll always be a nagging suspicion. But when you, if you look back honestly in the cold light of day and think, that really was everything I had that day. You know, involuntary shivering, passing out, and vomiting at the finish line is a pretty good sign you've got it spot on. Um, uh, you, you don't want to have that feeling of, I wonder if I could have done more there. So yeah, don't don't be afraid to to go for it. And I think that was said by Hal far more eloquently than I just managed.
0: <laughs> How about visualization? Do or don't. Do and. Do and don't.
3: Do and don't. Do visualize. Really good technique. Don't visualize so much; it stops you actually doing any work because you've visualized yourself into a state of believing you've done it before you have.
1: Ooh, that's good. That's a man that has a handle on visualization. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I don't know where we go to from that, but it, it's uh, <laughs> that, that was a a podcast stopper. <laughs>
1: I was busy visualizing. It's the reason I really couldn't. <laughs> I was visualizing a, a, a very, a very good comment, and I visualized it, but it didn't come out. It was good stuff. All right, Warren. Um, well, heck, if you don't have anything else left on your side, if you don't have any on your list of your do's and don'ts that you'd like to tick off, um, then I think we're about – I think I think, we're, I think we're
0: wrapped up. Say hi to the ma, your mom and dad.
3: I, I will absolutely say hi to my, my mom and dad. Erica sends her best wishes as well. And I'm sure if Mum and Dad knew I was actually doing this, they'd be waving from downstairs as well. They, they think I'm in my bedroom playing computer games, and I'm obviously still 12 years old.
1: Have <laughs> they asked you to come down and empty the trash or, or clear the table or anything?
3: No, I just got sent to my room without any dinner. I, it's pretty. That's pretty why tough. he's been eating
1: a cheese sandwich his, uh, in his bedroom.
3: Yeah, I that in my drawer yesterday.
1: And we'd like to thank Anton Kropichka, Pam Smith, Jeff Rose, Michelle Yates, Hal Corner. For uh, joining us on this podcast, <laughs> vicariously, vicariously through this, through this, uh, the, 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 paper we the minds
0: of. of great runners—they they know how to run. Yes, they do. Who figured? <laughs> so, Warren, thanks again for for joining us. We always enjoy talking with you over the pond, exchanging ideas and uh, um, challenging one another with uh, concepts. Huh? We're, I, I'm I'm always amazed that that in this vast world that trail running is pretty much universal. Except There's for the, the La Conga line. <laughs> La La Conga we're, we're, line. We're
3: working on that. I, I'm going to start just slowly sneaking that into conversation with people. By the time you, you come over here next, there are going to be people on ultras and trail runs all over the UK going, oh, blimey, look at that conga line. <laughs> Bloody hell. I,
1: I, I expect it to expand beyond just the trail. I'm going to I'm going to think you're at the grocery store or at the bank and you go, <laughs> another conga line. What is with this? <laughs>
3: It's with all these aunties dancing through the biscuit aisle. It's gone crazy.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Trailrunner Nation, go out in Conga, mass.